All right. Um, so here's the thing for us. Randall and I and the girls and my dad got to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, right? It was awesome. And it was really cool. Someone came and gave us tickets. We had a frequent flyer miles and a free place to stay. Can I get an amen on that? Right. So it was fantastic. So we're out there, the Rose Parade, right? Ran my good friend Frank Beamer, right? Hokey fans, right? It was good times. Got to take pictures with him. And it was just an awesome game. So I'm not going to tell you now. So I would say if you're going to go see a video of the last play and how everyone around me responded, Randall's, uh, Randall's Instagram page, go friend her, right? It's really, really funny. But I'm going to tell a story of somebody else, right? This has nothing to do with the morning. I just thought it was a hilarious story. So, so I'm sitting there, we're at this restaurant. No, now, you know, when you're in, when you're in, in Pasadena, in LA, as a Georgia fan at the Rose Bowl, every other Georgia fan is part of your family and your best friends, right? And so everywhere we went, I go, go dogs, go dogs. We get high five, hug, whatever it was. It's a great time. So after the game was over, we're watching, we're eating dinner. It's this really great restaurant that we found. Good job, Randall. And, and, and we, we, we were watching the Clemson Alabama game roll tie. Right. And not on Monday. And so we had this dynamic going down. We're really, really glad that uh, Jeff and Sherry are leaving because she's a Bama fan. Right. So we're really glad she's leaving and going home back to Birmingham with her family. Good riddance. And so um, so all that to say, man, we were sitting there and there are these two people sitting at the bar. And it's a, probably a husband and a wife. I couldn't tell. And, but they're sitting there and they're wearing red and black Georgia fans. And I said, hey. So it's like, you go to the game? Yeah. Go dogs. Go dogs. So he comes over like he's family. Right. So we start talking. He goes, I got to tell you this story. Got to the story. I'm like, all right, cool, man. So he's like, we're all like, his, his wife is over there going, oh, yeah, you got to hear this one. I'm like, this is going to be a good story. So he said, we're sitting there before the game starts, and we're kind of by ourselves. And, you know, it's always wondering who's going to sit next to you. Are they going to be sober? Are they going to be drunk? Whatever it is, right? So this guy, he said, this guy, like, he says, this big, like, what you would think of, like, your Harley guy. Big, skinhead, bald-headed guy, right, wearing leather, chains, tattoos, sleeves, all the way up and down. He makes his way up. I'm like, he's intimidated when he's walking. He's so large. And he's just a big man. So he walks all the way up. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, right? And he comes sits right next to me, right? And I'm like, oh, hey, you know? And he said, we watched the game, and we're having a couple moments here and there. He says, but when, in overtime, when Sonny Michelle, God bless him, right, runs in for the touchdown and scores, he said, listen, he, the, he said, all of a sudden, I feel this hand on my shoulder. He just got this, also look over, and the guy grabs me, gives me a full bear hug, puts his head in my shoulder, and starts weeping like a baby. <laughs> and this, this wife's like, that's exactly what happened. I promise, right? I'm like, go dogs, right? So anyway, good times. Had a great time, and God bless us tomorrow night. Amen. All right, say, so this morning we're going to dive into this. So last week, we're going to dive in. Last week, Scott said these these words. He talked about this idea of of stepping into 2018. did a great job. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to listen to it. He talks about past, and he talks about future. He talks about present. And after each one of these, he gives you some time. Uh, to meditate, right? Just to kind of to, to focus on the Lord and stillness and, and focus on God's redemption of the past, right? The, the things he said, I'm going to read real quick. This, this idea of God redeems the past, this idea of meditating on that God secures the future, and that he attains spiritual reality in the present. And I'm kind of saying that we can experience his presence in the present. This is another way of saying that. We experience his presence in the present. So he redeems the past, right? He secures our future. But man, we, let, we live confidently in his presence in the present. And then looking at our lives and, and being honest in that. And so one of the things I've been, I was, when, I was, when I was reading over his notes, 
I was thinking about the past, present, and future of, of, of vintage specifically. And one of the things that I, that I celebrated as I was thinking about all these past, present, and futures, celebrating the fact that in our past and looking towards our future and present, I, mean, I'm, I am proud of the culture that we, and I say we together, have created specifically in this mission effort of foster care at Vintage. Right? It's like when people talk about Vintage, there's this ownership and this celebration that, we, that maybe we have different roles to play. Right? So we have... These people over here, like they're literal foster parents. And so they're taking all of these at-risk children, inviting them in their homes, wrestling with the trauma that defines all of these children's lives, loving them and advocating for them. So each of us in here, we, we celebrate the foster parents, don't we? But then we also celebrate just this foster support community, like those who come alongside and Man, they come and they babysit. They, they're a crying shoulder themselves, right? They, they come alongside and just bless and, and give space. And we have others who come and say, I don't have much time to give, but they bring a meal and put it in our freezer. They bring a meal, right? We had uh, Rick was over here in our first service. Man, like he was this beautiful cook, right? This, um, what does he do? He's a, he's a caterer. Thank you. That's the word. Good job, Randall. And he's a caterer. And he came and catered our foster care dinner. It's like the fields had us to their house. Right. They've got a whole household people like fostering is not realistic right now. Right. But they're just opening their house to us. And, and how many of you have like I me? Mean, listen, you prayed for foster families. How many of you have actually been nice to one of the kids who've been who's been a part of vintage? You've gone and served. How many of you have at least smiled at somebody? How many of you served one time in three years foster kids? And I would say, yes. Awesome. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome the way that we're coming alongside and in mission. We planted our roots deep of loving and said, let's just love the stranger in our midst. Let's invite them in, these foster children, these, these really kind of orphans in our community to come alongside. And, and some of us are like really, really involved every day. And people, some people, man, my life doesn't allow it, but I'm involved as much as I can be. And I'm doing it. great. Like, I don't look up here and go, you should do more. I'm like, just thank you. Right. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for the things that you're doing. Because the thing you need to know about foster care or, or about adoption in general is, man, it's like, it's hard. It's hard. It does take a community of people, right? It's hard, and part of the reason it's hard is because you're bringing these children in who have been displaced. You think about specifically international adoption. And you've got children who have been displaced and highly traumatized. And so whenever you bring them into your home because of, because of what's going on in their life, they've lived without parental investment. They've lived, listen, they've lived without protection. They've lived without advocacy. Someone, right, fighting for them. So they live in fear. They live guarding, fighting for, and protecting self at all times. Like, have you ever seen Blind Side? Maybe Blind Side. Michael Oren, Sandra Bullock, right? Tim McGraw, the singer, he's a terrible actor. <laughs> you remember that scene at Thanksgiving? Mike, Big Mike, call him Big Mike's there, and he's looking around like, who are all these weird white people, and why is there so much food? Right? And so what does he do? You see him like this, and he takes a bunch of rolls, and he sticks them into his pocket. Because he's been trained, he has no idea where his next meal is coming from. He has to protect himself. He has to guard, because that's what orphans do. 
they guard, they fight for and protect self at all costs. They don't trust, they don't let anyone in. And so when we talk about caring for the orphan, the widow here at Vintage, and we talk about this, like foster care is this primary, at least locally, way that we are investing into orphans. But let's shift this morning a little bit. I lay all that out there because we've talked about this and we know it, right? But we're going to have to look at a couple different scriptures. One of Jesus speaking in John 14 and then Paul speaking in Romans chapter 8. And he's going to use orphan language, both of them. I'm going to use orphan language to describe something that we, disciples of Jesus, will either past, present, or future are going to wrestle with. Because the language would be, although there are very real orphans out here, we must care for them, and we are. They would speak and say, but we have to check our own hearts and to see if we are living under an orphan spirit ourselves. And so we're going to dive into it this morning, begin to get some clarity on this. So, um, here we go. Let's dive in. Now, let me say this just real quick about orphans. I said all that without looking at my notes, and I skipped over an important part. <clears throat> so there's three progressive ways as we talk about orphans this morning. And I want you, again, this is just real general, okay, very, very, very general. Three ways to look at orphans, kind of in a progressive way. Number one is orphans are alone, right? Orphans are alone. There's no one there, and they're fighting for, them, fighting for themselves. And when they're right, second is orphans that don't have advocates, people who fight for them, whether family or not. Because there's no one who's going to fight for them. And the third part is orphans don't have parents, right? It's kind of this deeper thing. is because parents, yes, they protect, they also instruct, they love, they, they meet this emotional need, right? So when we talk about orphans this morning, we talk about even those who are coming into our homes and, and coming into adoption, the idea is that they're alone, they don't have advocates, and and that they don't have parents who come alongside and invest into them. So I want you to think about this as you read Jesus's words spoken to not just to disciples in general, but the moment it was specifically spoken to his disciples, right? They end up being the apostles, but those who were following him. And it says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. There's that word to help you and be with you forever. Who is the advocate? Well, it's the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Like we see that as a promise. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you in the form of the Holy Spirit, right? So we see this language, Jesus coming. And I think what I want you to hear me say before we kind of go any further into Romans is, you, most of you know the story. If you don't, I'll tell you. It's like Romans 13, excuse me, uh, John 13, just real simply, Jesus says, I'm going to leave, right? There's a time coming, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be here anymore. And they're expecting to like live, Jesus is only in his 30s. They're expecting to live long with Jesus and die with him someday, right? To rule and to reign and to die with him. He's like, I'm going to leave you pretty soon, right? And so in the moment, John 14, 1 says, and they were greatly troubled. They were greatly troubled. So what we find is Jesus speaking into really the past, the present, and the future for all of them saying, listen, like I recognize I'm going to leave. And when I leave... You're going to feel, or you're at least going to wrestle with the possibility of feeling like an orphan. 
You're alone, you have no advocate, and you don't have a parent. You're alone, you don't have an advocate, and you don't have parents. Because he recognizes, listen, it's not if they, he's speaking it because he knows they will. He's preparing them to remember this. Romans chapter 8, Apostle Paul speaking, says, For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is orphan language, too, because what you see on one side is, is Paul coming and saying, listen, man, those of you know Christ, you, you have been brought in with the spirit of adoption. Spirit of adoption is sons and daughters, right? Spirit, you become in your sons and daughters. So the opposite, then, of adoption, then, for him is named as the spirit, slavery to the spirit of fear. And I would say that this spirit of fear is this, this spirit, this, this orphan spirit, this idea of I'm adopted in family, I'm in fear, not part of the family, so I'm living as an orphan. These are two speaking of the same things here. Listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Don't let your heart be troubled. You don't have to be bound by fear. You don't have to be a slave again to the spirit of fear. But I have given you the spirit of adoption. And so in this, the, the hardiest verses is clear. God speaking, saying, those of you who know me, you are, we, are, we are children of God. We are children. We've been adopted. We've been brought in. But each of us must be aware, are we living like it? Are we living like it? Or do we still live like orphans? In the language of both Paul and Jesus, we find the recognition of the struggle of moving from orphan to adoption as God's children, right? He speaks, Paul speaks, and we already named it, right? Paul comes and says, man, the spirit of fear, this orphan spirit, this separation, this disconnect, not living in the reality that you are no longer orphans, but you've been brought in and adopted. Brought in and adopted. You're loved by God. Brought in, you now have a, you're no longer alone. You have an advocate and you have a family. Interesting to note. But the word orphan here simply means this, a person deprived of protection and position. A person deprived of protection. A person deprived of position. Adoption, on the other hand, speaks to a new position. A new position in the protection of family. Sometimes you read through uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, you, you get to this part and it talks about the adoption to sonship. And, and we live in this politically correct world where we don't like sexism. And so we read that and go, no, no, it should be like, no, adoption of sons and daughters. And I go, no, 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 you don't want that, ladies. Because in Roman culture, using the language of Paul, women, adoption of girls didn't really account to much. There really wasn't anything like that. Roman culture, what there was, was the adoption of sons so that they would have full legal, legal standing of an adopt, as an adopted male heir of someone in this family. But here's the point. Paul's writing to men and women. And he's saying to men, hey, you get adopted and you now have legal standing as an adopted male heir. Like all, like we understand Roman culture. Oh, and women, you too. What? Are you kidding me? 
as a woman, you're saying as a daughter of God that, that I have the same legal standing as an adopted male heir as they do in the Roman culture? Absolutely. This is amazing. And so you're not just second class. He's saying, no, all of us, man, we are adopted just like the male heirs are here in this Roman culture. So now you have full legal standing. Welcome. Welcome. And this is revolutionary. It's the exact opposite of a person deprived of protection, a person deprived of position. So I ask you again now, if you're a Christian, if I say to you, are you a Christian? Right? So you go, yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Whatever is right. If you would call yourself a Christian, then in this moment, you would now have legal standing as an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ. Everything that belonged to Jesus belongs to you. Not just in, oh, I'm rich now, i got money. No, I mean the full emotional, soul-filled gamut of things that belong to Jesus. Here's a gift. So I ask, that's fantastic, right? Like, woo that's great, Steve. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many of you are living like we are still orphans? The markers of an orphan spirit, the spirit of fear, and you could think about all sorts of different things. I'm just going to go through, a, just kind of name a few. It's a life marked by abandonment. Just feel abandoned. Like, feel like I, I just live life feeling like I'm abandoned. No one's with me. No one loves me, right? Um, hold on a second. Yeah, loneliness. Perfect people just living in the context, the sense of, like I'm around people, but I, just, I live perpetually in the context of loneliness. Alienation. I just don't feel like I fit anywhere. Isolation. It's easier to isolate. It's easier to be myself, right? Those with the orphan spirit. Life is focused on self-preservation. We already named that. A me, self-centered mindset that only views life in the context of protecting self at all costs. The idea if we have to be in charge, we primarily view all things good and bad and how they impact my life. But ever being aware of anybody else, no one can tell me what to do. And I don't want to need anyone. I don't need anyone. People in this orphan spirit, again, these are not, these are just markers just to dive into rather than saying everybody who struggles with these have an orphan spirit. I'm just saying these are things to consider. Like I'm just throwing things, like in Chris Paul, I'm just throwing things out. And you need to let God begin to kind of let these things land somewhere. Because here's the deal. You don't want to be a slave to the spirit of fear, do you? I don't want you to be. I want you to live as adopted sons and daughters and just recognize you're awesome. People who are walking toward in spirit, these are the types that are easily offended. Like their life is just a, you talk to them, it's always an offense, right? And live mostly unaware of love, affection, and protection from anyone in their lives. So that part again, they live mostly unaware that they are loved, mostly unaware of affection and protection from anyone in their lives. The spirit of adoption is different. The spirit of adoption is characterized by a healthy son or daughter who lives confident in love, that they're loved, confident that they're loved. They live confident of affection towards them. They live confident of of protection. It doesn't mean they always feel this, right? I'm not being like, if you ever don't feel protected, then you're, no, no, I'm just saying, like, that by nature, you're always like, God, I just recognize, I'm loved, you have affection toward me, right? That you care, you fight for. 
We have access. We live in the spirit of adoption with access to God's presence. His present presence. Like his spirit has come. So he, we live with his present presence. Every moment of every day. So I'm never, I'm never alone. I always have an advocate. And I mean, the Holy Spirit can't do anything but advocate. That's what he's called. I will send another. He'll be an advocate. Right? He can't not do that. He has to. Right? And so he advocates. And, and God's a parent. Like you recognize in Genesis, God created man. It was not good for man to be alone. So he created. So he pulled part of his image out of male and created female. And so the full image of God then is only present when male and female are together. So God basically is male and female. And his, who he is as a person. Right? And so the idea is that God has a father heart and a mother heart. He's a complete parent. That's who he is. Don't let that weird you out. The full image of God he created. He said, hey, the two shall come together and what? Become one. This is this image of God's image. And so in this picture, right, we, we see God as this loving, perfect parent who's a present presence is with us at all times, right? And he says again, look at the simple yet profound promise. John 14. You can medit- meditate on this for the next six months. It will wreck you. Hey, I won't leave you as orphans. I can't. I can't leave you as orphans. I can't live. I can't leave you living. Listen, I can't leave you living as a slave anymore to the spirit of fear. I can't do it. I'm going to come and advocate. But the warning of both of these scriptures is clear. And the reality all orphans face is this. I'm going to just quote this woman who was a mom who adopted an international, uh, international child, I think from Russia. And she said this, you can take the child out of the orphanage, but you can't take the orphanage out of the child. You can take the child out of the orphanage, but you can't take the orphanage out of the child. And the point that they're making is this. Like when children come into our homes, I mean, it's, been, it's not been uncommon. Like they'll come in and all of a sudden we'll go and they've hoarded things, food in their, in their closets because they don't know if they can trust us because they've lived in such a place of self-preservation that they don't know that they're not alone. They don't know even in our own home that we'll advocate for them. They don't know that we will be their parents in this season. They just don't know because they're so conditioned to this. As human beings, don't we get so conditioned to this that we live short to what God has for us as adopted sons and daughters who have full legal standing as heirs of God? I mean, listen, offense. Let's talk about this for a second. I think we live in America, especially as the most offended generation of people in the world. Everything that happens. Listen, if I talk to you every day for a week, you're going to be offended somewhere along the way. And some of you offended ten times a day. Everything. We view life and how everything impacts us doesn't go our way. We get offended. We live offended. You don't have to live offended at things people say about you. If you just live confident in what God says. You know what I'm getting at? Like there may be a level of like an emotional response. There may be a like an, oh, I'm so, ah, but God, I hand that, God, because ultimately what I believe is what you said about me. I'm adopted. So they can say what they want to say. I'll turn the other cheek. I can do that because I'm not living 
But the spirit, I'm not a slave to fear anymore. People think about me. And never forget Santia. She's this little girl. and She's not a little girl now. She's in college age now and doing full-time ministry. But she's probably in her mid-20s. But we knew her. She was really, really little in, in India. And, and so something happened at school. Like she, you know, She's low caste because she's an orphan living in India. And she was going to the school. And there's some higher class people. And they were just making fun of her because of where she was from. And now she's, now if you see her, she's beautiful, but you know how it is when you're that age, like no one, only thing that people believe is what others say about them, right? And so, so she's sitting and these people are saying really, really nasty things, hateful things to her about who she is, where she comes from, what she looks like, all this type of stuff, right? And so Tammy's really concerned about her. Now at the same time, you need to know Santia's sponsor was Tom Tanner, the pastor at Riverstone. And Tom had been there several times. And, and so one, so Tammy comes up and, you know, they had this, that, that parental moment, just, Brings her out, puts her arms, says, hey, you know, okay, I'm great. She's like, what do you mean? Like, people have been saying, she's like, yeah, they've been saying these things, these things, these things. And, and she just looked at her and says, well, you, you know that you're beautiful, right? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. She goes, Tom, oh, Tom uncle told me like three years ago, and if he said it, it's true, so I believe it, <laughs> right? And she's like, well, fantastic then, right? Because she lived in the confidence of what her family, this parental unit in her life, had said. Doesn't mean it wasn't hard. Doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. Didn't mean there's a level of offense in the moment. But she was able to turn and say, But all I really hear is the audience of God, my dad, who's my mom, dad, right, who said, You're my adopted son and daughter, and I love you. So I ask again, we were adopted as God's sons and daughters, yet how many of us still live like orphans? The me, the self, the offense, the anger, defining our lives. How many of us, we have brought, brought in as adopted sons and daughters, but we're still living as if we don't have, and we're less than, and, and we're isolated, and we're abandoned, and we're alone. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and go, so here's your one, two, three-step system. You just fall by my book, and you'll be fine. I can't, I'm not going to do that. Because what it requires, honestly, is for us, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sermons are terrible if you don't have to do anything and own anything when you walk out. The pastor just kind of wraps it all up and makes it super easy. You can go home and feel good about yourself. Then you've missed it. They've missed it. Because what they need to do is make it less about you hearing from them and you going home to hear from Jesus. So I just want to say to you, I mean, can you go before the Lord and just ask him an honest question? God, how am I doing as a son or a daughter, not in the convicting, like not in this like condemning way. I say, he'll never do that. No, it's like I'm adopted. God, am I living like this or am I living more as an orphan with an orphan spirit, slave to fear? Orphans are alone. Adopted children are part of a family. Orphans don't have advocates. Adopted children have a God and family who are present and who fight for them. Just think about it real quick. When our foster children come into vintage, for any one of our families, do you immediately adopt them as your own? All of you do. They come in, and what do you want? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think Connie was telling me a story a few weeks ago. One of, our, one of the kids ran in and immediately ran to her, put her arms around her. And they'd spent time together, but they, she wasn't a foster mom, but she was. Right? She was part of the family. And when we run into, like, we want to be able to run into the family here at Vintage. I mean, God's here. Mom, dad are here, right? God's here. Beautiful picture. And then we have each other. 
who love and encourage, support, and we're here together. Orphans don't have parents. Adopted children have God as a parent who provides, instructs, leads, loves, and emotionally fills them. So here you go. We're going to end with this, and then I'm done. Romans 8, 15 to 16. I'm going to read it slowly. We're going to end with this. As a reminder, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, full legal standing, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we, you, me, children of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I know you as I preach this, I'm just aware, Lord, that people struggle, just very aware people struggle with this, God, of stepping into, praying for, asking God, make me real. And, and so, Father, I, I, I come with a great sensitivity and compassion for those, Lord, who look at this and go, ah, I just don't know how to do this. And I want to pray this morning, God, just a couple of things. I pray, number one, for your grace. I pray that you would make a way that you would open up doors, that you would tear down walls. Whatever the right analogy is for a person's life, God, I pray that you would bring that about for the purpose sort of awakening them, awakening us to a renewal of understanding of what it means to be an adopted son and daughter. For those, God, I, there are some, God, who've lived so long, so long under the spirit of slavery to fear that, God, they don't even know how. They don't even know that there's something better than what they have. They think it's enough just to know that you're mentally their dad without actually experiencing your presence. I pray for those, God, who have a mental reality understanding of you as father. I pray, Jesus, you would shift that this morning, God, to to an experience in the life of being a full parent, the mother, father, heart of God, to completely speak into that, God, that they are brought in so it's safe. They don't have to hoard things because you provide. They don't have to live in fear because you're for them. That, God, they don't have to live isolated because they're in family. And I'm asking Jesus that you would do a work of grace, a miracle in lives today and this week and in this year. That you would bring people to a new awakening understanding of your presence, your movement, of you adopting them. You are advocating for them this morning that it's what you do, Holy Spirit. So we say, have your way. And we praise you and thank you, God that you did not leave us as orphans. Amen. I invite you to respond as the Lord leads this morning, a time of worship, and you can pray where you are. I encourage you to begin to have an honest conversation with the Lord this morning. With great, listen, a loving, a, a conversation with the Lord that's with a loving, a loving parent. He's not, doesn't hate you. He's not like, oh, I can't believe you. Yeah. He doesn't do that. He's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Spend time. Be honest with yourself. Take communion this morning. Communion is a beautiful expression of the nearness of God's presence right now that he is for us. His the gospel, his body broken, his blood poured out is for us today. We're going to worship this morning, tithes and offerings. It's right here in the basket in the little box back there. You respond as the Lord leads. Don't forget to sign up today or this week for small groups. They're starting soon. For the small group leaders, there's a lunch afterwards. Don't forget that we're officially done not coming back up here to release you. It's kind of awkward, right? So you get to release yourself. So if you're going to leave right now, you can, or in 15 minutes, you can.